Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Driving that train, I'm cocaine. Casey Jones, you better watch your speed. That's Casey Jones. Casey Jones, not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Uh, compadre. It's the song by the Grateful Dead from Working Man's Dead from 1970. It's also 264 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. My voice is a little raw today, but thank you for tuning in to the only podcast that is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. Uh, As we count down to one, and I'm a comedian, uh, I'm not a musical expert. Uh, I got some information in front of me. I'm just a dude listening to some music, talking to some famous people. Um, Are you watching the podcast? Because every Wednesday we publish full episodes to the Patreon for the 500 club members that are paying $5 or more a month. And we really appreciate everything. All the Fleece Army that is supporting the show. I'm going to keep finishing it. I'm going to keep going. Um, So support the show. You know, the ad sales are there. They could be more, but we're doing this as of a labor of love. So if you love the show and you don't support and you listen every week, yeah, you're fucking this up, man. Have a little coffee for me. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. I am also going to be out on the road. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, Uh June 9th and 10th, I will be at the Dead Crow Comedy Room in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, June 17th, I'm doing a goddamn comedy jam in New York at Sony Music Hall. Oh, I'm also doing a jam at the Comedy Store June 11th, and I'm doing Shimmy, the stand-up show, on June 12th. Then I will be at the... Where is that? I'm going with Burr. Bridgeport, Connecticut. or Bridge, we're do, I'm doing an arena with Burr in Connecticut on the 23rd. And on the 24th, I'm doing the Prudential Center in New Jersey 
I got some buddies coming to that one. That's going to be a fun one. And then June 29th through the 1st, I will be, or the 2nd, really, I'll be at the Jacksonville Comedy Zone in Jacksonville, Florida. And then uh, I got some dates in July. Toronto, I'm coming your way. Um, fuck, I gotta. I, I wish I put shit in my calendar, man. I, I'm gonna be in Toronto in July doing two dates. Uh, maybe JFL. Um, I'm gonna be doing that Pittsburgh thing with Steve Byrne. It is so hot in my apartment right now. I don't know how the fuck it went from like 40 degrees, 50 degrees to 85. July 28th through October 15th, I will be at the hosting the Jelly Roll tour all throughout America. It's going to be great. 44 different arenas. Uh, go to joshadammyers.com for tickets to everything. And go to at joshadammyers on all social media. Alrighty. So this is our second Grateful Dead record. We brought back Phil Hanley because uh, I really love this guy. He's so in love with the Grateful Dead and this podcast that being able to chill with this dude and just talk to him is is so much fun. Uh, Phil's uh, Comedy Central Half Hour Special. You've seen him on The Tonight Show. He's one of my favorite comics working today. An incredible social media. Um, make sure you check out his comedy. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 anywhere you listen. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. Uh, I think Evan still runs it. I don't really know. I haven't checked on it in a long time. Go to the website, the500podcast.com for all things 500. And that, I guess that's it, right? All right, so let's do it. Grateful Dead, Working Man's Dead at 264. He's back in the saddle again. He's back again. You know, they're, they're going on their finale tour. Not the Grateful Dead, because I should have sang a Grateful Dead song, but Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, I heard that. They, they, he... And this is up for debate, is in my opinion. But uh, they're billing themselves as the greatest rock and the greatest American rock and roll band ever. All right, good place to start. <laughs> good, good place to start. Who would you say is the greatest American rock and roll band ever? One hundred percent, hands down, the Grateful Dead. Yes, but you're biased. I'm biased, but I also have I I got some facts I can lay down. Hit, I mean, me with, hit me with some dead facts before I bring out mine. Okay. Well, I mean, so they started in 1965. Yes. They uh, were reached their name, another band that did this. And maybe Aerosmith with, uh, you know, I know they peaked with like album sales, like much after where they started. But yeah. I mean, the dead were selling the most tickets they ever sold in uh, 1995. So they started in 65. Jerry passed. And they're still... They did all these different projects. They're still, I'm I'm going to see them in San Francisco. They're playing where the Giants play, the baseball diamond. They've sold out three nights. Oh, wow. They started in 1965. So Jerry Garcia to the dead, just roughly, you'd say, is like Steven Tyler. So you're telling me that Aerosmith, if Steven Tyler died uh, in 95, that Aerosmith would be selling out three baseball stadiums without, you know what I mean? Well, people, I think, with the dead, the dead is more from what I know, more than just the music. It's, it's the vibe, it's the community, it's the clothing, it's the it's the uh, jam, it's I, the drugs, it's everything, I, right? Uh, well, it's the music is the drive. Like, if there wasn't any of that stuff, the, it, I mean, it is, yeah, there, it comes with a lot. And it and that the it's not, people aren't, the two things com, com, uh, compound each other in the sense that uh, the music is so good, it inspires the 
people, the clothing, the, you know, it inspires all that stuff. Like the two feed into each other. Yeah. And then on top of it. Yeah. But I mean, did Aerosmith like in the nineties, the dead had 10,000 people that were devoted their life to traveling around to each show. I don't think Aerosmith or any band realistically, maybe yeah. Bruce, but uh, Bruce isn't a band. No, Bruce well, is a, well the E Street, yes, yeah. but it's Bruce, and, and you, he's a solo artist. Yeah, he's writing the, everything. I mean, in the, the I mean, the Dead supported this whole community. Obviously, anyone who I mean, it'd be hard just for someone to claim that a band's the best American band, and it, 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 it not turn out to be their favorite band. Like, no one's gonna be like, that's the greatest American band. I don't care for them, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who it would be. Who would I, think I say? I my, I think. I don't know all the stats on uh, Aerosmith. I do know the stats on the Dead, so I can say uh, the Dead. But um, yeah, I just think they've inspired so so much, and also it's already been proven. I mean, there's so many Grateful Dead cover bands that are hugely successful. It's like, and and I didn't come up with this. Phil Lesh, I heard say it, but. The Grateful Dead will be like Shakespeare in the sense that a hundred years from now, people will be performing and not only albums, it's not a cover band doing an album. The, the um, Dark Star Orchestra perform particular shows. They're like, this was 1982 in Pittsburgh. Here we go. Like that's how masterful they were that they did over 2000 shows and the shows are considered our worship the way someone would worship whatever up or what I don't know. No, I, 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 it's so funny. <laughs> up is a record. Uh, isn't it up? Isn't up? Yeah. I don't know what it, no, what was it called? There's something, all those albums are something a little bit pervy, right? It's so yeah. Toys like, in the attic pump. Oh, uh, you think yeah, pump, pump, pump. But uh, I was thinking that whole era of like that kind of hard rock, like uh slippery one wet. And dude, you're speaking my language right now, man. It's that's the first record I ever bought. Really? Slippery When Wet. We bought that and Run DMC Raisin Hell on the same day. Because I couldn't decide. And my sister picked up Beastie Boys License to Ill. Oh, so we shit. could have like a trifecta of three of. I mean, I don't know if Slippery When Wet's on this list, but definitely Raisin Hell. It has to be. Oh, Raisin uh, Hell. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. And I, do you know what's great about that? There used to be an, a stove in my apartment in LA that when I turned the knob on, it went. And so I would set a camera up because I would do it when people would come over like, check this out. It'd be like, I think it's very vital <laughs> to walk. And I was like, that's going to be my first TikTok video. It got no views. Oh no. And then somebody else did it and it got 25 million. Oh, so shit. I just, you know, I, um, I'm going to find out there. The guy lives. Yeah. And I'm going to fuck him up, dude. Yeah. You know, what's funny about Aerosmith before I, I pull up the list of some of the greatest American bands. And I want to comment on what you just said too. Aerosmith might be the funnest band to like do the singing that I did, the making up lyrics like Scoodle Doodle Boodle and a Doodle. Whoa, Hunky Donkey Doodle. Oh, yeah. There's just so much great. And he was so good at like scat singing. Like, ah, Zabo Boom, Boom, They say he's, well, I'm never like, I was just not a huge Aerosmith fan, but I do, I do remember once being in a car and that pump came on, someone was playing it. And I remember like thinking, like, it is insane. Like it is, it's like one, uh, you, whoever produced it must've been like, Jesus Christ, we're going to make a lot of money on this. It's, it's hit after hit. Uh, and that's the same thing with, with, uh, I mean, I mean, not same thing, but you were, you were talking about like the dead had their era in the, in the sixties and the seventies. Right. And then in the eighties, they're still popular, right? So pop. And, and some say they peaked in 89 it, live. They just, they weren't, they didn't besides, 
the album that we're going to discuss today, yeah. which I think is an incredible album, and the Rolling Stone voted it the best album in 1970. When you think of the music that came out in 1970, and how in 19, it wasn't. Rolling Stone wasn't what it is now. Rolling Stone back then, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, that was their their opinion. 1970s, the best album of, Let of, it be. of the year. Let It Be came out. Creedence Clearwater. Let me see best albums. I don't know why I've typed in best music. Um, I, you know, so this is your second time coming on. Yeah. And, and, I, and I said, you're going to do every one. But then there was a caveat. Yeah. Is that Senator Al Franken, uh -huh. it hasn't aired yet but came on yeah. to talk about American beauty. Yeah. Um, I didn't book it. Just letting you know. This no, is, this I, is an Emily I, booking. That's, that's to me. I mean, uh, there's a, there's a line in a Griffith led song uh, called uh, us blues where they say, uh, uh, shook the hand that shook the hand and fuck Franken shook the hand. Franken was buddies with them. New Jer buddies. new Jerry new nose, you know, uh, the surviving members all yeah. of them and dude it was to get the perspective of a younger guy like you that loves the band and fell in love with them and how you did and then to hear his story of somebody that not only was is kind of there shortly after the beginning but he got to literally open for them yeah uh with his with his comedy partner and and it's just evolved and he said the same thing that you said which it, the, the albums are great you can't take anything away from how good, you know, American Beauty is. Yeah. Or or this record. Working or, Dead. or the record we did the first time. Yeah. Which, um, but but these li it's the live shows. And just like you said, people can pick out specific years, places, venues, seconds yeah. in the concert where their lives have been altered yeah. by, by something that they did. The transition between this song and that song. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Could there be and also like... And I've never, I don't know if there is, I don't, there isn't another band like this. What it's like, uh, like I had a book, I have a book at home with just, it's like Grateful Dead statistics. How many times did they play this song in the year? Their first time they played this. Like, it's like baseball statistics. There's just, it's such a dense topic. There's so much information. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a website that does that for you too, right? Setlist.fm. Yeah. Oh, I go. Yeah. I go oh on there my all God, the time, dude. I got lost. I've been, I just, I found out about that. I'll go to concerts. I went to see Janet Jackson the other night, uh, on a whim. Uh -huh. Thank you, Joe list for switching set times. Cause I literally was taking a shit at six 45 saw that she played the night before. And I was like, I was like, I missed that. I miss it. And I Googled it. And I was like, wait, there's one tonight, bought a ticket, Switch sets, did the set, missed the first like 15 minutes of the show. Um, I mean, honest to God, I've been to a million concerts. Yeah. That, that was top five funnest. Just hit after hit and Janet rules. And and I know this is going to sound a little off color, but it was 95% black women in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I've never been to a better smelling concert in my life. It smelled so good in there, dude. All the oils and <laughs> like Victoria's Secret spritzes. Uh, it, it just cocoa butter. You know. Was it packed out? Packed. Really? Dude, I was I was sandwiched between a gay dude and this black woman. And the gay dude, I mean, he lost his fucking shit, dude. I mean, he I've never seen anybody more excited for an artist. Yeah. He knew every word, knew when she was doing like rhythm nation dancing, he was like spinning. Oh, in the that's great. It was so cool. Um, and when would I bring that up? Why did I bring up Janet? Just because that's that's my life. That's what I do. I bring up things that don't make a difference. I just want to talk about them. What were you talking about? Um <laughs> We're talking about the dead. Talking about the dead. Oh, set list. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I could look through 
And I'd be like, all right, and, you know, because this guy had no idea what's coming. And I'm just like, oh, let me see. He's, she's about to do uh, Miss You Much. I'll see how what he does. And oh, then, oh, so he, so, oh, so that so, she played. See, that's another thing that getting to me the on my high yeah. horse about the dead. They never played the same show twice. They didn't have, I mean, now um, they have set lists, but they didn't have set lists. They would like be playing a song and either uh, Bobby, Bob Weir or Jerry would hint at what's coming next. And it generally would go Jerry song, Bobby song, Jerry song. But um, yeah. And, and then, then they would just go into it. Like they that's, would, that's really cool. How did they, how did they, would, did somebody start playing a little section of they it? Would do the, a li- yeah. Like they would do, they would hint in between uh, like they'd hint during the extra jam maybe, or, uh, or the song would stop and then someone would just start the thing. And um, yeah, like there, there's an interview and I, I hope I didn't talk about the, about this last no, time no, but no, no, with Bramford Marcellus no. and he's talking about the first time he played with the dead. It's like 1990. It was in Nassau Coliseum and he just showed up and he, you know, he didn't know the ton about the dead and they wanted the, and, and they was like, they would just say the, the key and then he would jam away. And it, this is like a huge rock band being that in the moment in a, in a Coliseum where you see the footage it's on, it's online and the shows are incredible. The dead with Branford Marsalis is just, Oh my God. But, um, how long did he play with them for? I mean, he, like he over, just, he like just, tour, he just showed just up show. a couple of times. No, he just, he just showed that. up a handful of times, but you would want, you'd show up and you'd see an extra mic on stage. You'd be like, Oh shit, this is going to be a Branford show. And, uh, he, they, you see it and they, you know, they would take the solo just like, uh, a jazz band, but they're a rock band and they're a folk band and they're a psychedelic band. Like they're just so, they've just embodied everything that's great about American music. Uh, that, I mean, hip hop never, never really got involved, but, um, not, not like that. Like, I mean, look, but if, the, if Buster Rhymes came out, did a song with Janet Jackson, the crowd went nuts, right? Yeah. Oh, they only could do that one song. Yeah. They're not playing any instruments. They yeah. can't go. He, she can't be like, Hey, sit on, on this song. It's like, it's like they're what I love about Miles, what I love about Coltrane, what I love about Brubeck and and some of the great jazz musicians is that they always just jammed. Yeah. And it's like they might have an idea, this and C, like a swing and C, or we're gonna do yeah. that. But it goes wherever it goes. Yes. And 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 then the best part is it's like they're just when it's done, it's like most of the time they like Miles, he was like, I don't wanna do it again. We did that. Like, let's. I'm trying to figure out the yeah. next thing, and that's really respectable for a musician and an artist. Well, yes, that, and uh, not to get too heady, too dead. Get heady, get heady. But for get me, dead heady. <laughs> for me, the the way that the dead approached music is like such a lesson in life, where things are going to happen, and you just fucking roll with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? What whoever your Bob Weir is is gonna make a suggestion and you just go with it. And if someone makes a mistake, then that becomes the new thread in the song or whatever. And um people got real people get real philosophical when it comes to the dead and uh just because they were so open to it. And they were even open with like members. Like when a keyboard player uh passed, when Brent Medlin passed, they just had a buddy were like, Well, you 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 play keyboard with it. Like things just kind of Evolved at one point, uh, two of the members got kicked out and they just didn't leave. And they're like, all right, well, you guys are in again. Like it was just, they, they were just, um, why is they that? weren't precious, but why, why do you have, do you know anything about why, if they're going to try to kick somebody out and they're like, uh, we're not leaving. It was in the sixties and they didn't think 
um, the one uh, organist, uh, Pigpen, who was like one of the original members, they were kind of moving in more of a psychedelic direction. And he was more, he was really uh, a blues artist. He was really steeped in blues and um, they didn't think that it meshed very well. And this is just what I've heard on documentaries and read and stuff like that, that they thought like uh, that uh, Bob Weir wasn't like very disciplined with his practicing and stuff. Whereas Garcia from the second he picked up an instrument was like really approached it with like, I have to practice this amount of time, you know, even in the nineties or the biggest selling band at the time they were like, them and Metallica were selling, you know, the most tickets were the only profitable, I forget the, the years, like say 91 or whatever, the only two really profitable summer tours were these, you know, the dead and Metallica. And Jerry is still on his off nights practicing, practicing scales, practicing. They said that like, you could say any song to Jerry, like, uh, you know, some from a, a soundtrack or any song and he'd be able to play it. Like he just, loved music loved all types of music so it's so funny when people are so negative towards the dead like oh the fucking dead and you're like yeah you maybe there was like you had a neighbor that you didn't like that wore a tie-dye shirt you're basing you know what i mean i think it's you're, just they see the hippies they see the drugs they but you know jerry was so like i remember there was an interview in the 90s and he's like yeah i really liked i like jane's addiction uh and like just he was so open and so unlike that attitude he was just like he, he, they were there for the adventure, and that's what true deadheads were just are just in it for the adventure. All right, read your sp spiel. Well, I just want to set up. set us up, dude. Okay. Take us on this journey. Okay, so the dead started in 1965. This is 1970. Five years. I can't help. I always compare like bands when they're together to uh, like comedy. Like what happens in five years in comedy is very little. You very, know what I mean? It's very not very action packed. So they've been together for five years. They did. We did Anthem of the Sun together before, which was very psychedelic. Very. Very like, even like, uh, whoa, this is wild. Like even you were like, this is crazy. It was, it was, it was kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. But, but it had moments in it that I was like, you could see them getting into this. Yes. It's, that's what I really dug about it. It's for, I, think, I don't know. Would you say that that record is a good way to introduce someone like me into the Grateful Dead. No, I, I think uh, Working Man's Dead and American Beauty are because I think that record is so hard. If I, w when I talk to people about their getting into the dead, I go American Beauty, Working Man's Dead, either one, you could go first or second. And then I say Europe 72, which is um, a live album, but it's, uh, it's, they, it's easily digested compared to like some shows that are really, really tripped out. And then from there, I think, you know, you can do, I'd, I'd head the direction of more shows. I'd maybe go like something from like spring 77. Um, but, for, but for this, this, so they did that really psychedelic. Like, I feel like it, that's even me. It was like hard to not, it's not like it wasn't, it's not like it's super easy. Listen, they're experimenting. They were Anthem of the Sun. They're splicing live performances in with studio. Like they're doing crazy shit and yeah. they're experimenting and that's what makes them great, but it doesn't make for the e easily super easily uh, digestible um, album. I so that. this is five years later, 1970 in January. First off, they're in debt, 200 grand to the record company. Okay. Their manager who is Mickey Hart's dad, the drummer's dad has left with their money. Won't, won't show them what, what, how much money they've made and is like either has left or about to just 
leave town with their money. He goes to like Mexico. Wow. Yes. Why are they in debt 200,000? Just uh, for studio time because before this before this album and American Beauty, they in their record contract, the dead asked for unlimited studio time. And they'd go in and they'd dick around. There's a famous scene where uh Bob Weir goes, uh, "I want the sound of heavy air." And the producer's like, heavy air. And you're just like, well, I think that was it. They were losing producers. They were like kicked out of studios because they were like disagreeable and they're disruptors. They were shit disturbers. Yeah. And they, everyone was getting dosed. Everyone around them was getting dosed. They were dosed in the cake and the fucking can, the Pepsi and the water. Everyone was getting dosed. Wait, especially the dead, the dead drank Pepsi. That breaks my heart, dude. <laughs> if everything you've told me, I would have hundred uh, percent assumed they drank Coca Cola. It's, it's a lot of sugar. Oh. but uh, so they they you know they they were dosing all these people and misbehaving. They also in January of nineteen seventy they got busted in New Orleans. Okay, and the record company has to like bribe them out or whatever. So they had a lot of fucking stress. So they go in and they record this album. And I love the first lines in this album. To me, I always think of when shit's going down in my life. The first lines in this album is uh, uh, um, when things look like easy street, there is danger at your door from Uncle John's band. And to me, I'm like, that's so true. Like when it's I always think of when shit's going on in my life, I'm like, now's the time you can deal with it. It's when it's it's sneaking up on you when everything's going well and you think you got no worries in the world. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Yeah, You know, so I think that line is so fitting for what they produce. Cause I mean, this is the songs that are on this album are so great. And it's, it's, they, they were really influenced by, um, Crosby, Steels and Nash. They're singing. I hear that. Cause I'm, I'm listening that I have their, their, their debut. Yeah. Uh, with sweet baby Jane, I think is the, yeah. but I listened to that record on the way down from Baltimore to New York. And then, and listen to this, like maybe before or after. And I just, it, it was a good vibe yeah. to like fit, you know, in yeah. a nice little smorgasbord of 60s, 70s. So they're taking all that they've learned from the experimental shit and the acid tests and the just jamming for hours and hours and hours and working on the group mind. And they put it to this like, kind of like Americana, like traditional uh, music. I mean, it's like, it's almost like country-esque music, but it's crazy uh, and then they recorded it in nine days, opposed to all the time that they took on all their albums uh, up until this. And the songs are so fucking great. And the songs, a lot of them, I mean, I assume we'll go through the songs. A lot of them stayed in the repertoire till 
I mean, the dead, the dead and co are doing their final tour. They still, a lot of the songs on this album are still like staples and like kind of, you know, the songs that people want to hear when they play live. Uncle John's band, uh, is so good that it made the rock and roll hall of fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. I mean, it's great, man. I mean, you think about it, like I just wrote, it's like just laid back bluegrass folk. I was it, like, this is just really like, it's so and every, good. Everything and you said about Crosby, Stills and Nash, they covered it. <laughs> it <laughs> like, the uh, harm, the, the, the way they harmonize and they really, for the first time, they really rehearse these songs. It's like now they're not a lot of these, they're like acoustic songs that they would practice on the road. They got down. So then they went to the studio. They were like nailing it and they worked on singing and they worked on cause um, Crosby lived with Mickey Hart, the drummer and yeah, they learned, they, they took that influence of the harmonizing and then they did it. Like if you saw the dead in like 92, they would be playing a song or up until the end until 95, they, they still did that harm. They would harmonize like that on stage and it would, especially if you were tripping, you blow your fucking mind. It sounded so great. So it's funny that you say that, um, you might know this already. A Warner Brothers executive was so ecstatic when he heard this song and how marketable it was. It sent him running down the halls uh, with the news. He was expecting more of Anthem of the Sun stuff. And he was like, dude, we Grateful Dead have written a song we can put on the radio. Yeah. And yeah, this, because before they, yeah, the songs would be like, a side of a record. Sure. You I mean, I mean? We, we went through Anthem of the Sun. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like five or six songs on that whole album. Yeah. And you know, yeah, they're long and they're experimental and they were like, yeah, so this it's funny, but they, it's the, the pressure that they had going into it. And then they, they just fucking nailed it. And then to do two records, I would argue, I mean, I, I think hands down their two best records in the same way year. better than Anthem. Way better. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, like I mean, this would, I yeah, I mean, this this is one of my favorite albums, and and it's the only Working Man's Dead and American Beauty are really the only two studio albums that that I would listen to. I mean, if I'm in a car and there's like XM Radio and like uh, Grateful Dead, you know, they play a lot of like the studio stuff. I can get down and be like, oh, this is a cool studio, but I much rather hear live versions to everything. But this. This these songs on this album are just fucking. So phenomenal. you would recommend this to a Grateful Dead skeptic? Absolutely. I don't know how you could listen to. Also, the thing that's so cool about this album is that it's such a time capsule because it's 1970. So the 60s are done, and they have like the uh, it's it's a lot of the songs. It's the sad songs. There's dark songs like Dire Wolf is like a dark song. There's Casey Jones, which was one of the first dead tunes I had ever heard. I was like, this is I think me too. Yeah. Great. That or touch of gray, but it's, it's Casey Jones. It, there's no, there, it's not like tune in and drop out and like do drugs and everyone's happy and everything works. Casey Jones. And this is, I mean, it's been said before, this isn't my, you know, just my observation, but is a cautionary tale driving that chain high on cocaine, trouble ahead, Trouble behind. And I know that I think I got the lyrics in the wrong order. I'm dyslexic, but trouble ahead, trouble behind. And I think that notion just crossed my mind. It's not a fucking same with um, the bus when they got busted in New Orleans uh, in 1970. That inspired the song Trucking, which is on American Beauty. But the albums kind of fit together because they're both. I was going to say this year. to you. So I don't know if you think this. Do you feel this album was the first half of an album with American Beauty being the second half? Uh, I mean, in a way. In I always I always think of them as um, as separate entities. But when I was listening to them both, um, just back, recently back back, getting yeah. ready to this, I was like, yeah. I mean, they were recorded 
so often bands would do that. They this was recorded in February, uh, and then American Beauty was recorded in August or September. So easily, I mean, I'm sure the Red Hot Chili Peppers are going to the studio. They could record a bunch of songs at the beginning of the year, and then you know take some time off and then come back in the fall and finish the album. I assume bands do that probably yeah. all the time, right? But they to, take a year to record an album, but put it so close together. Dude, and then, yeah. and then, I mean, I, I just, and also the same kind of vibe, you know, now that I've listened to both, which I love both of them. Um, it, it's like, I don't really think these are, t I think this is, this seems like it's one long writing session. They just had, they had 25 songs and we're like, you know, yeah, well, Robert Hunter, this is like when he, I, and he's by far my favorite lyricist. And again, I'm dyslexic. So I didn't, I wasn't able to like read when I was a kid and, and I, my, you know, my mom's like reading Dickens and all, you know, all this like dense literary literature stuff. And I couldn't, I would see these leather bound books, but they were, they were nothing to me. I couldn't get anything from them but the lyrics from deads they tell a tale they tell stories and it's so fucking rich it was the first time that i really felt like i was taking something in like poetry or like something that like an intellect would enjoy that, yeah. that's how i felt because the, the stories are incredible and and now that we're talking about it we're talking about working man's dead but like i'm thinking of like the story of like friend of the devil or something like that like so i guess i guess they are quite joined because you do you think of them I think of the, I can't help but put them beside each other in I, my mind. I mean, what a what a great fucking like writing session to have them be in. Yeah, just to to feel that vibe because it's like people always use that word like oh this is a vibe and it's like dude these are like so American and so like we said like you nailed it the folky the psychedelic yeah. you can hear all the elements of everything about the band in these two records. But it's like for someone like me, who's never been to a show, doesn't know what to experience, and you're just like, all right, I'm gonna ease into the bathtub. Yeah. This is this is like getting into a nice warm bath oh, dude, just, and just being like, yeah. fuck yeah, turn the jets on because I want some <laughs> bubbles, dude. Because actually, and I fucked up on the beginning of the lyrics of Uncle John's band. The first lyrics are the first days are the hardest days, which to me is also I I don't know I get so much inspiration from from their lyrics and from um the dead but uh and then the, then the line about when life looks like easy street there's danger at your door um to me it's so knowing all the shit that was going on like can you imagine the stress your band's in debt 200 grand yeah uh you just got busted again in uh in new orleans and your manager who is a member of the band's drummer is left with all your funds like that's fucking stressful and then you're going to the studio I mean, it's like, would they, they, did they have the, the studio space already rented out? Maybe I or? think they did. And I think they, that's I, probably the way of dealing with it. It's, it's just like, yeah. what are we going to do? It's like, we, we were, it's a like band. When we're on stage. Yeah. You're, it, you can have all the shit in the world going on in your life. But when you're on stage doing stand up, it's like the time where everything makes sense. That's it. And they were like, Hey man, it's like your shit's fucked up. Your shit's fucked up. How about we get up and be fucked up together and see what comes out of it. Yeah. And what came out of it is some of their best work ever. Yeah, I mean these songs, and and again, it's the 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 lyricist started uh, spending tons of time. I think he w he was on the road with them and stuff like that. So Jerry's not writing their lyrics. He's writing the melodies, and uh, I'm sure he's like tweaking lyrics and giving his thoughts. But no, Robert Hunter uh, was considered like a basically a member of the band and wrote. Yeah, a, 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 all the Jerry songs he wrote, and then he wrote some of the Bobby songs. 
but um, he's like the Bernie Talpin. I love that. Yeah, he, like he's like Elton John's partner. Yeah, and but he was there, and he got to the point. He, he, him, and Jerry had known each other for so long. Even at this point, they'd known each other for a long time. Like even before the dead, so before '65, and um, he he wrote almost through Jerry's eyes because he he just they were just so tight, you know. And and also tell me this isn't the the greatest compliment to a lyricist. He also wrote songs with Bob Dylan. Wow. Isn't that wild? I, I didn't think anybody helped Dylan. Man. No. Dylan's like, you know, supposedly considered the greatest lyricist yeah. of all time. Yeah. So that's, that's, and also th this is just a complete side note, but uh, Bob Dylan played three dead tunes in Japan like two weeks ago. Did he really? Yeah. He just what? like f f just busted out trucking. Did, do you guys get all jazzed up about that record that they did together? Didn't Bob Dylan and the dead? Did uh, he do a record? They do with a them? live, they did a live, they, 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 toured in 87 uh and Bo uh Bo they the dead would come out and play and then bob dylan would come out and the dead would be uh bob dylan's backup band and and bob dylan would you know do his tunes the one song that on the album i don't know if we're going to go through each song but one song uh wait do you want to go through uh, you talk about it so after i'll go it's I'll called go new new speedway boogie new speedway boogie end of side one yeah and uh, that song, do you know, you know, uh, you, do, have you talked about Aldemont? I have. So written about the disaster at the Altamont Speedway concert in 69 when the Rolling Stones hired the Hells Angels to work security. Uh, it was and, supposed to be the, the West Coast answer to Woodstock. Yeah, which uh, we just actually had uh, Bobby Colombi, the band leader for Blood, Sweat and Tears on the podcast. No way. And he, they headlined Woodstock. They yeah, because the they were like the biggest band on the planet which at the time, no right? Which one, no one, like you talk about Blood, Sweat and Tears now, they're like, huh? Yeah, about the motto. It, like, someone, I, I, I don't know what I. I just watched something this week, and they were saying that yeah, at the time, they were the biggest band on the planet. You make me so very happy. Dang, you got that. Thanks. That's man. your register, dog. That's, oh, dude. If, you, if I told you what I'm doing to keep my voice, like I have steroids. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> prednisone. I don't know if prednisone is really a muscle steroid, but it definitely works on the vocal cords. Um, yeah, it's um, the the from what everything I know about Altamont was that it was a mess. It was a disaster. And yeah. I know all I know is the Rolling Stones and the Jefferson Airplane, I think, and the Grateful Dead played right. We, well, a dude from the Jefferson Airplane got got like assaulted by one of the Hell's Angels because I I believe there was like a fight and the Hell's Angels were like going at someone and uh, they he like intervened or whatever, but. Uh, someone died at Altima and, uh, there's crazy, it's just so funny if you want to, you know, people lump like bands, um, together or whatever, but there's a, there's footage online. It must be on YouTube, but I've seen it numerous times where it's like, they're getting, they're leaving Altima cause shit has gone down and Mick Jagger, it, you know, is a very posh British accent. He's wearing a cape and he's talking to Garcia who couldn't be more down to earth. I mean, Garcia is like the biggest rock star in America, you know, in the, even in the night, like he was a huge rock star. Yeah. And I guess that in Aldama, he wasn't the biggest rock star in the world, but I mean, he was certainly a, an admired musician and, 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 uh, he's just so down to earth and Mick Jagger's like wearing a cape and Jerry's like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like he's just so down to earth. It's so funny to see the contrast between the two. He's like, dude, he's like, I don't care about this, but we, we just got $200,000 stolen from us. And our fucking uh, drummer's uh, dad took it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. So the, and that's in that, that inspired a song called he's gone, but is that on this record? No, it's not. But so, yeah. So what do you think of, what do you think of a uh, new speedway boogie? Well, I, I love the tune and it's just, it's such a, I just think it's really interesting how this, this album, like the, how timely it was that the sixties were over figuratively and literally and that, you know, everyone says that the Aldemo was the end of the 60s because it was like all of a sudden there was a dark side to yeah. that lifestyle. Hippie. Dumb. Manson. You have Manson. Uh, you have the uh, Vietnam War going on. Um, it, it's it's and you have the dead at that point before, I guess, during where the unofficial house band of San Francisco's Summer of Love festivities and outspoken advocates. Yeah. So it's just like this is a really it bookends. It really does. It, it, but it's weird because when, like, if you were like the end of '90s music, when would it be? It, it's not. It wasn't on. It wasn't right in the year 2000. You know what I mean? When when was the end of '90s music? When I think Kirk it, it passed, got, or I think that supposedly there was a really good point that was like Kirk Cobain dies in what '93, '94. Yeah, I thought I thought it was '94. And it and that whole you know because don't forget man Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain were very women's rights pro abortion or, or pro choice yeah you know uh, just it was about like you know picking the brother up at the show if he falls yeah. and 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 caring about him and then cut to a few years later and it's you know Woodstock ninety nine Woodstock ninety nine fucking limp biscuit I do it all for the nookie like you know yeah. coming out of a toilet you know and yeah. it's it's just a sad. You know, we had a peak where it was like, where it was like, you have Kurt Cobain, and it's like we're being history as progressive, yeah. And then, or fuck it, it's like Obama, 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 Trump. You know, yeah. What I it's mean? so funny. It's funny that Obama says that too. That um, that uh, you know, progress is like a zigzag. It's not like a straight it, thing. It's not a straight thing, man. But you really see it. But that's a great point about how yeah, the '90s were progressive at a point, and then there was like a huge. There was a darkness. There was a real darkness. And I think it maybe it had to do with, you know, uh, Y2K and, and just the changing of that digit. Those, those, those yeah. first two numbers in our fucking date that people were like scared about computers are getting bigger, but they're going to take our jobs. You know, there's AIDS is still big. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it was a scary time. I mean, not, not as scary as my dad always says there is a part in right around the turn between the sixties and the seventies that, you know, and, and in the 60s that he thought that the world, the, a government in America, as we know, it was going to end. Well, there was a thing in the there was a th w w when the, the, whenever the missile crisis was, was in the middle of the 60s. Right. Or like. Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was when Kennedy's still alive. So people yeah. thought that was a real. Like, oh, yeah. It was going to go to. So, yeah. What we're feeling now, the anxiety we're feeling now. I don't know if it's been it just in the moment. It's hard to have the perspective would be like, oh, it was as bad back then. But. Um, I think it's I think it's worse now only because we're so interconnected and we can all find out everything and there's so misleading shit so misleading shit and, and that that people can you know if you want to find this thing about this bad thing and go down a rabbit hole it's there whereas like in the 60s it's like whatever they were telling you on the news and, and I think at the time they weren't as opinionated they were just giving it was you more the, news it yeah was news yeah that's it's isn't it funny it's so ironic that we are so connected now that it's actually divided us so much. Like, especially here, 
so divided. Like yeah. people are so divided, but it's so interesting that what what divided us was the fact that you can talk to anyone or get anyone's opinion at any time of the day. You know. Oh yeah, and some of these people shouldn't have opinions or shouldn't be able to get their opinions out to the well, rest when of the they're, world. When they're riddled with hate, yeah, maybe yeah. Not. It's, I, I, I used to have a joke about that. It was like sometimes it's just like it's, it's just there's people that are supposed to be stuck between two mountains in West Virginia. They're not supposed to be able to connect with you know the the president. They can literally send a message yeah. directly to the president on Twitter. It's just that's insane. Which side of the album do you like better? You have Uncle John's Band, High Time, Dire Wolf, and New Speedway Boogie, and then C- Cucumber Blues, Black Peter, Easy Cum- Win. Cumberland Blues. Cumberland Blues. Yeah. Cucumber. <laughs> cucumber, I like Cucumber Blues. I got the Cucumber Blues. I got the Cucumber Blues. It's going to be a pickle one day. Cumberland Blues, Black Peter, Easy Win, Casey Jones. Oh, that's so tough. I probably... You can only listen to one side the rest of your life. Probably side A, because I get a lot from Uncle John's band. But then, like, Cumberland Blues is just a fucking rump shaker. Yeah, it's good. Casey Jones is is uh, is great, too. I mean, yeah, that'd be tough, but I think I would go side A. It starts so great. It really does. And I but I I just love Side 2 so much because I loved Casey Jones. Yeah. Just, it's such an iconic song and you can't not listen to it and just be like fuck man. Do and when they when they play Casey Jones Do they play it a lot live? Uh yeah, they have. They they I think there's been times where it kind of um was out of the for years. I don't know the exact statistic, but it was out they didn't play it for years. And then they're playing a show in RFK Stadium. And during, they do uh, a sequence in live dead shows where they go drums. They do this drums and it goes in the, and then the, and then it goes into space where they do all the spacey things. During the drums, uh, Mickey Hart's playing this like whistle as a hint that they're about to do the breakout of Casey Jones. And at a dead show, if they didn't play a tune for a long time and heads know all the stats, they'd be like, this is 275 shows. They haven't played Casey Jones. And then he does the hoo, hoo, and then they go, they come out of space into Casey Jones and, and you can, the, the, the audience goes fucking nuts. Oh, I bet. Do you think there is a, a band next to the dead that has more devoted fans? Like, or is there anybody that like, I think now I feel like, you know, people like Bruce, maybe, I mean, people, you know, we, yeah, Bruce, it's, but the, the, I think fish would probably be the, 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 the closest. And I, you know, and I think they emulated, not even emulated musically, but I think the fans just emulated kind of the dead scene. Um, just as a, you know, uh, because the dead scene was, you know, had so many upsides to it or whatever. But I don't, the yeah, the devotion, not like that. Just also the way the dead were set up where they played a spring tour, summer tour, fall tour, New Year's Eve shows in San Francisco. Every year, every year, every year, every year. You know, so most, you know, like Bruce or someone will take time off or whatever. You know, they don't tour constantly. Yeah, no, no, they don't. I don't think there is another band. I mean, and then they would do side part. Then the Jerry Garcia band would tour when the dead weren't touring. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had a side band. Yeah. Oh, and that music is just, Oh my God. It's so fucking great. Who's your favorite member? Is it, is it Jerry? <sighs> I mean, I, yeah, I love Jerry, but I, I mean, even since I was a kid, cause, and I, I definitely mentioned this before, but cause I'm dyslexic. I found out that Bob Weir was dyslexic and that meant the world to me. And Bob Weir was uh, such a character. 
and uh, when I was a kid, just so much energy and, and, you know, he was like, he'd do this, like, you know, they called it like Bob star stuff where he'd like, you know, the dead barely moved. Like Jerry would like lift his leg and the audience would go fucking bonkers, you know, cause the people were so zoned in. He was so charismatic and like, but uh, you know, Bobby would like climb the scaffolding at the side of the stage or like, you know, he's playing like a pink strat wasn't a strat but a strat shaped guitar like yeah. pink madonna shirt short shorts like he was he was kind of the rock star of the band god damn dude i just I, I, we're already in an hour but i just i love talking to you about this band it, it really does like make me like i was gonna buy a grateful dead shirt i think i told you that but i was like I no feel like, i feel like a poser dude i feel like a poser if you're touched by the dead like i i almost like for me just because they've given me so much, like I remember being like super depressed and listening to like properly depressed, like, you know, your doctor's like, yeah, you're depressed. Yeah. Uh, and listening to black Peter and, um, they just give me so much. And I just, it's just, it's a, it's such a great band to love because there's so much, you know, they played over 2000 shows. All the shows are recorded. You can listen to any era and, um, yeah, they just do. And I always wear, dead shirts and I it, cause it's like I feel like I wear dead shirts the same way as like a religious person is like you know ask me about Jesus like they want it like I, this my number one topic to talk about I love it <laughs> find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington North Carolina and beaches enjoy hiking trails in a state park fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at wilmingtonandbeachesvacation.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Uh, all right. Let me see if I have any other questions. We have any Patreon stuff to ask you. So this is a good one. Uh, Dire Wolf, uh, this is from, from Matt in Austin. Dire Wolf has to be one of the catchier tunes about death, imminent death and demise. Do you have any other favorite songs that hide dark lyrics behind sunny melodies? Whoa, that's a great question. Good job, Matt. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, Dire Wolf is great for that. Uh, do, can you think, I'm trying to. Is there any other dead songs? Uh, I mean, there'd be. I'm sure that we, I'm just, I'm just racking my brain. I'm trying to think. Um, we, I know I've done stuff like that before in, on the podcast. When you say what, what came? No, the song Helter Salter came before Charles Manson. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. It, it, it was, it came. It, it was inspired I, by I, the inspired Charles Manson. By, yeah. Well, the, I mean, that's, that's one. Get to the, I mean, it's a rocking tune. Yeah, it's but it's rocking, uplifting, it's, though. I uh, guess he's talking about more like 
with the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, well, my dad molested me and my sister. Oh, we're emotionally scarred. Scoodly do. You always hear that though. What inspired a song? You don't always hear that. I, I can't believe I can't. I'm gonna walk out the door today and be like, fuck! I should have said. If you text me in the next hour, I'll, I'll include it into the into the finale of it. All right, we got one more while you think about that. Let's see where it is. Um, hold on. Um, I mean, trucking is a dead song. I mean, it's about like... Um, they're, they're, well, you said Casey Jones is about a guy fucking driving off the goddamn... Well, trouble ahead, trouble behind. Yeah, I mean, you know that, yeah, I mean Casey Jones, that, but trucking, they're... Uh, Whatever happened to Sweet Jane, she lost her mind. You know, she isn't the same. Living on reds, vitamin C, and cocaine. Um, I'm just trying to think of something we did on the podcast because I know I've talked about this before. There, there's a whole Lou Reed record, Berlin, that is all about this like hooker prostitute. There's a couple songs on it that you're like, this is so upbeat. And it's like, oh, oh what? Uh, uh, isn't that song a uh, perfect day? It's like this. Would you, isn't that have some dark origin? All Lou Reed songs have a dark oh, really? origin, okay. bro. Every single one of them. That was them. my greatest New York sighting. I saw Lou Reed on the street twice. I'd say Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. You swear, you saw Lou Reed twice? Yeah. Yeah. Do tell. Yeah, I saw him I saw him once in the East uh, Village. And then once I was in the West Village. This is right before he passed. I was on um, 8th Avenue, kind of near like Bleecker there. And I heard a voice. And... You know when you're like, your brain can't figure out how you know that voice? Do you know have that moment where you're like, either that's like my buddy from high school or Paul McCartney. Like your brain just goes, you know that voice. Yeah. And I turned around and it was Lou Reed. He was just walking by talking to a friend. And it was, yeah, it was within a couple months of when he passed. Did you say anything to him? Uh, no, no, I did Do not. You, you see a celebrity, you avoid? Yes. The only, I, I, I've never met uh, Bob Weir and that's like, he he would be really the only person on the planet that I would be like starstruck starstruck and just like had a f it's like you're I we don't know each other but you have been with me every single day since I was really like a young dude you know what I mean yeah same Billy Joel and um Billy Joel and Mel Brooks if I ever got to meet Mel Brooks wow. I would I mean, it's, I just feel like everything in my life is somehow led back to, to Billy more, you know, I've really accepted now how much I love him and how he's jumped up the list since I moved to New York from probably being in my top 20 favorite artists yeah. to probably like one of my top three. Like, I, dude, I, yeah, I spent the whole day yesterday when I got back from the gym just watching uh, live performances of him and like, and just crying. Wow. He just, his music and my buddy Morty, he used to write on the show. He said it on his birthday. He goes, he's, he's the heir to the great American songbook. He wrote what arguably is just some of the greatest yeah. American. So I mean, have you seen him at the MSG? Uh, 12 times. Are you serious? Yeah, and I just took mushrooms with Burr and went to see him at SoFi. No way. Yeah, dude. Dude, we, Burr, like, Burr, I talked about doing that at MSG so much that Burr was like, I want to go with you. And so then she, he played with Stevie Nicks at SoFi and he's like, will you fly in? I was like, you goddamn right. And we tripped balls, dude. And just like, you know, <laughs> I seen the lights go out on Broadway. We were just dancing and shit, laughing. Oh, that's you know what, great. You know, what made, we, you know what made him laugh so much? We were, we were tripping. And there was a girl there who had hair like Susan Powder. Remember the Stop the Insanity girl? Yes. 
and and Kirsten and Jessica told me that she used to date her, and I was like, you know, Jessica. Really? I was like, yeah, you know, Jessica Kirsten used to fuck her, and he just, I mean, dropped down into the seat, tears rolling down his eyes, laughing. It was like. It was just such oh, a that's funny hilarious! Thing. All right, we got one last question, and then I'm gonna ask you something. All right, um, wait, do we? Where were we? We did the song. We did the the songs about. Oh, uh, what, oh, can oh, can I just do one more thing about please. Bob Weir? No, no, do everything. And you were talking about you get emotional with, uh, and that's when you know music touches you. If you can, if it like induces tears, and I've had that. I mean, the dead. I can repeat. I could be like talking to a girlfriend and, and do a dead lyric that it like for some reason pops into my head and I will get choked up, but there's touch of gray. There's a, there's a line in touch of gray and uh, I hope I can say it now without getting uh, but it just, when I heard it, it just meant so much to me as a kid. Um, How old were you when you first heard this then when it meant touch of gray? I was yeah. probably, uh, God, I was young. Like, well, I didn't know the dead. And then I, I was probably, Maybe when I really listened to them and took in the lyrics, I was probably like 10, maybe when I first wow. heard this or whatever, I think I could be wrong. But uh, when I really listened to the lyrics, but, um, but this one, maybe I was a little bit older, but, but we just stopped me in my tracks is that the, they're talking about touch of gray and uh, they have this line that said the, the kid can't read. He's 17. All the words he knows are obscene. Uh, and then, uh, but it's all right. And I just, I was like, they're totally, t I couldn't read, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't read. I'm not going to be able to read when I'm 17, <laughs> Dude. but it's all right. You know, like that, uh, it's funny that that touch of gray is such a great fucking rock pop song. And it got deadheads really resent that song because it, it changed their career. So they've been together for 22 years, 1987, that song comes out all of a sudden, like, all these like it wasn't just heads anymore they weren't like they were heads it became corporate it became corporate and like just all these people came out of the woodwork and it was the beginning of the end because then the tours just got worse and worse they were getting banned from cities and deadheads were well behaved and took care of each other for the most part and then there was just this influx of like people that like you know i don't want to just blame like frat boys but that you know people that weren't were just there for the party you know and whereas like for me I'm there. I, all the other stuff is important, but I'm there for the music. Sure. I'm not there. You know, I'll buy a t-shirt and I'll talk to some friends that are like there or whatever, or traveling with a band or whatever, but I'm there for the music. I'm there to hear them play and the lyrics and the, you know, everything just come together. But yeah, that's that there, there are so many things with the dead that, um, yeah, did make me feel emotional, but what a gift to be touched by, music like that oh it's it happens so much it's not even funny now and i think the older you get more shit it, you go through oh my god i just I, i'll just i'll be listening like at the concert i even warned bill i said to him i was like dude when he plays scenes from an italian i'm gonna cry and he goes what like a denzel single tear i go no dude i'm gonna cry and the story is that i'm <laughs> i'm i'm the scenes is playing we're tripping and there's these two malibu moms next to him and they just go oh my god is he crying and bill no. looks over and i'm just like <laughs> and they're just like yeah, oh you're such a beautiful soul and i'm just like the songs are just so beautiful <laughs> it's just so great then bill's just like oh my god you're so great one ear and then it's just such a beautiful song 
And that goes on for like five, six minutes. And then the girls are just like, you have a good friend. That is a good friend. And I lean into Bill and I go, I could fuck either one of those girls. <laughs> and he's doing that joke on stage now. Really? Yeah. He calls me. He goes, dude, I, I told that story. Don't worry. I didn't say your name. And I go, oh, say my yeah, name. Say dude. my name. Please. Give my, do you say my Instagram Please, handle. Please. Everything. Um, here, let's let's do this because um, we've already kind of mentioned the other questions, which was, well, I don't know. Do you, do you want to answer this? this is another Patreon. Who gets laid more, the coal miner from Cucumber Blues or the highway worker from Easy Wind? Uh, Cumberland Blues. I would say, uh, yeah, I would like to think the, the coal miner from uh, Cumberland Blues. Much more manly job. All right, so I pulled up, before we go into the final questions, I pulled up the list of greatest American bands. Okay. You tell me. I'm going to mention them, and you tell me. Yeah. Who is who is? Let's let's look at it like we, this. Who's to, more important to music? Okay. Let me. But let me first say this: that it would be hypocrite. I'm so touched by the dead. You're touched uh, by Billy Joel. Yes. So even if someone, even if it is like three eleven. Whatever, if you can be moved by something. Nobody's moved by 311. I don't think any of my friends have ever cried at 311. Well, I just think whatever it is, you know, like I I, I think you're so lucky if you do have a thing like. Totally. You know? Dude, if you, if, if, if you can't listen to Beethoven's Ninth, that final movement, the, you know, or Nessun Dorma. Which is one of the greatest Italian opera songs ever written. That makes me weep. Yeah. Or you can't listen to, you know, uh, you know, yesterday Blackbird or or just, you know, uh, Flamenco Sketches by Miles Davis or Try a Little Tenderness uh, and, and not be moved by that. Like, it blows my mind. Theo Vaughn said, he's like, yeah, I just don't get music. And I'm like, I... How? Yeah, it, how are you not how do you not get it it's the, yeah what a bummer man because it just enriches everything best one of the best days of my life was when i was living in la and i and i got i spent like 1200 dollars on soto speakers and then i have the i'm not going to say your name but a-l-e-x-a where i could just it, she'll come on and play whatever the fuck i want and i could walk into my apartment remember that first day i got it and i set it up i have speakers in every room and i told her to play like some like oscar peterson trio and the jazz is playing and then it started raining in la which is so rare and it was like i had my windows open and the lecca is like running around and it was just a perfect day and every day when i come in First thing I say, I say hi to my dog, and then I tell the the computer to play something. Yeah, and it's just my house. Every room has a speaker, and bathroom that's, included. That's amazing. Man. Yeah, it's it's the best feeling. And and movies touch me. Reading the news and watching stories on twenty twenty, or they're doing those like like dog videos on YouTube, not YouTube on uh, Instagram, or you know, there's this guy that makes me cry all the time where he finds streamers that have no followers and he 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 gets like forty thousand people to like support them. Oh and wow! They all have like one's a Vietnam vet or a PTSD person, or and then there's this girl who's got all these health problems. And I mean, I was like taking a bath just with my headphones on, just weeping. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And in, in, in with, with music or for me with the dead, it's like the more, as you get older and you go through shit, the upside is I feel like you're touched by things more deeply because all of a sudden you can just relate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on some level, it's those problems that connect everybody. Oh, for sure. And music is, it, it just always has. And that's why I think, you know, I was talking to Godfrey. We were talking about Ray Charles and what would you rather be blind or deaf? And I was like, I'd rather be blind. 
because I if I can't hear music again, yeah, my life would be. He was like, yeah, but you can you can see everything and you can see who you fucking and he you know he goes all Godfrey on it and I'm just like, but it's I gotta hear it, man. I'd rather be able to hear music than than see anything. It's like I feel like you can you just I'd be a, I'd be a worse off person without music in my life. Um, can I recommend a song, please? A live a live version and you can listen to it from almost any era but a live version of the Grateful Dead song Stella Blue uh, from the like I'd go like 1989 or something like that when um, Stella Blue yeah Stella Blue Stella Blue from 1989 yeah or like 90 or I mean you could even listen to an older one but if you if you figure out a, I would also love if you figure out like a specific show what's your favorite do you know it what's your favorite live recorded Grateful Dead show that someone now you've got me yeah. and my audience who eventually will hear Working Man or American Beauty in a few weeks yeah. but they're going to have all three yeah. and then we're going to do Live Live Dead I think coming up in six months or something so that that is a live record I'm assuming but yeah. alright so we listen to Anthem we listen to fucking this we listen yeah. to fucking that what is the sh- okay, live show? I'll recommend two because what's his what's his face uh, did that too? Uh, did he Senator Al Franken? Do you know, you know what he what show we recommend? I haven't listened. To, we did that up. Dude, it's so funny. Okay, I was about to quit the podcast that week, and really? Al was like, "Dude, you got to keep doing this, man." He's like, "When you finish this, it's how great and in this big task." And I'm like, "Blah blah blah," and, and it was just like, I was like, "Yeah," and then and then I walked outside to go to lunch, and there's a guy on his headphones, and he looks at me, he goes, dude, I'm listening to your John Stamos episode of the, the Beach Boys episode, and I'm like, I just look up at the universe, yeah. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. And I was like, god damn, yeah, dude. Yeah. A senator and some stranger both telling me to keep going. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, never gonna stop. To. We're gonna keep doing this, man. It's Just be able to, like, sit down and talk to you. You know, I'll see you at the clubs, and we'll be able to talk, but, like, be able to, like... It's nice. I really look forward... I looked forward to... I was really looking forward to it's today. It's the best, man. You get to talk about people other... It's life it's music it's emotions it's art it's it's everything the world it's it's the best so i love that you're coming on you'll come back for sure oh my god i look forward to this and um but let me wreck okay so the show and we just passed the anniversary of it the show that is considered like the best grateful dead show i think spring of 70s i think the spring of 77 is amazing but the show that's considered the best uh grateful dead show among you know majority of people is uh may 8th uh barton hall 1977 and that's a good representation the band if someone wants to argue it's not the greatest grateful that show no one's gonna argue the ba- their band is on fire and it, it, it's got like a country tune and then a rocket like l- that is put on some headphones if you like to indulge in whatever you indulge in if you just like to indulge in nothing, whatever. Take some steroids, <laughs> fucking get yeah, all yeah. jacked get up on. Get a D-ball. <laughs> get a D-ball. <laughs> but, uh, so anyways, Cornell, Barton Hall, May 8th, 1977. Easy to find. It'll be on YouTube and stuff like that. I, I love that show, but I, the crazy thing about the dead is another peak in the Grateful Dead was uh, in 89. They did these shows uh, and they built, it was in Virginia Beach. They a shit went down the last time they played Virginia Beach post Touch of Grey, so they had they couldn't build themselves as the Grateful Dead, so they built themselves as formerly the Warlocks, and that because that was a name before they came up with the Grateful Dead. Yeah, and they they played two nights, and they're playing some what's considered modern tunes. They play Foolish Heart and stuff like that, which is a, a newer Grateful Dead tune. But 
God damn, those shows just fucking, there's a Cheech and Chong line where the Cheech is like, kind of grab you by the boo-boo, don't it? Those shows grab you by the boo-boo. They do a song, uh, they brought back, they hadn't played it in years, uh, called Death Have No Mercy. And, uh, oh God, it is dark, 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 wow. dark. Incredible. Those shows are so fucking great. I love those shows. And, and they, they came out. Those will be I, those will be easy to find on YouTube and stuff too because they did a little box set a few I, years I, ago. So if I had to pick one to start, do Spring 77, Barton Hall? I would start there, but I would, yeah. I, so yeah. I, the second you leave, I'm putting this on. Really? Way. Yeah, I'm going to. Put, put it on, man. Put yeah. it fucking on. Yeah, and they... The, the boys are on fire, man. They're on fire. But anything from anything from 77, they do a great... Uh, Buffalo 77 is a great show that I think they played the same week. Uh, it's like the day before or the day after. But J Barton Hall, yeah, start there. And also do it this week because Monday was the anniversary. Oh, wow. That'd be perfect. All right, so just... I'm just going to throw some band names out. These yeah. are... these are I, We don't have to pick who's better. Um, just looking at the greatest American bands... And I mean, this list is, I don't know if I agree with all this because I love Stone Temple Pilots, but I don't think they should be on here. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. Um, the Beach Boys, Aerosmith, Nirvana are like the ones that are labeled in the top three. I'm going to go down by this way because I feel like they're ranking them like this. So the Beach Boys, Aerosmith, Nirvana, the Eagles, or Eagles, I'm sorry, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Velvet Underground, The Doors, Van Halen, Foo Fighters, Ramones, Leonard Skinner, Talking Heads, Credence Clearwater, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, R.E.M., The Allman Brothers, Bon Jovi, Pearl Jam, Kiss, The Grateful Dead, ZZ Top, Blondie, Journey. I mean, and then it just starts going into where I'm like, all right, guys, really? Well, we're, we're throwing these in the greatest? Part of being great, I would assume, is taking in all these different influences and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I think, or part of it being great would be because it's such a unique, a, original sounding band. I, I, you know, all of this stuff is so, you know. I, look, I love. I'm really getting into REM right now. I don't know why. Oh, because um, uh, Automatic for the People's coming up, so I listen to oh, it ahead okay, of time. Okay, cool. And, and oh, everybody hurts just. Yeah. waterworks like i'm singing it too and like my thank god my my uh next door neighbors hasn't been here and then also we just got a new neighbor that's about to move in so i'm really worried that she's right below me yeah but it's like man i, I mean i was listening to some rem like pearl jam i would say but but they never look they i mean they can still sell out metallica yeah. can play stadiums yeah. aerosmith is huge nirvana is no more they they only had four records yeah but god dang they important yeah they yeah. changed music guns and roses i mean you have appetite and use your illusion and that's basically it um the ramones changed music the doors yeah were, the ramones i mean the doors they say that when the ramones sorry i keep interrupting you no, i'm so ahead, sorry but this the, the, certain things get me very excited but they say that when the ramones played england all the members of the Sex Pistols and the Clash were in the audience. Yeah, that's we talked about that on this podcast. Isn't that wild? They're, so how is that not, you know what I mean? Well, look, I mean, punk music. The Clash. The Clash, the Sex Pistols. Speaking of which, one of the, Glenn Matlock wants to come on the podcast. He's a fan of this. He's no like, he's way, the guy really? That, he's the guy that wrote the original songs off he that record. Sid... He played bass he played before bass. Sid Vicious. God, you know music, dude, because yeah. I had no idea who the fuck oh, he is. Oh, really? Yeah, I he played. He was Sid Vicious I'm before sorry, Sid Vicious. <laughs> He's coming on to do craft work 
which is great. Yeah. I don't know if you ever dug into some craft work. No. It's it's, it's tonight. It's a, it's a vibe. It's yeah. a vibe for sure. I know and who it, they are. I know I I, I know it's dance. It's like yeah. it's like Eastern it's like German Eastern European dance music. Uh but it's like catchy as fuck and it's a great drive album so when you're on that four hour trip tomorrow yeah i would if you, if you can do it at night if you can do any night oh, driving, on the way home on saturday night do it really don't dig onto it until then you want I'll, I'll text you the, the, the i think it's called like transatlantic something oh please but but realistically i i don't know i don't look i'm if i had to pick one i would say guns and roses only because guns and roses is one of the most important bands of my lifetime i mean obviously i'm wearing well, the shirt right now but yeah. but i don't think they're the best no it's it's so hard because when you were saying them it's hard because there's a thing that rock music hits you at a certain age and 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 it, you latch on to that it means so much to you like i remember the first time I heard uh, the album Back in Black. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, what yeah. the fuck is raging inside of me? Yeah. I haven't felt, you yeah. know what I mean? And I was a Beatles fan. I loved The Who at that time, like when I was a little kid. But I remember hearing Back in Black and you're just like, or like the first time you hear like Sabbath, you're like, holy fuck. I'm just digging on them. I'm, I'm doing Nort Norton's my Sabbath guy the way that you're oh, my cool. fucking yeah, dead yeah. guy. And I'm doing uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. And I listened to it working out yesterday and I was like, I was like, yeah. like I'm gonna push through because there's also I mean with Sabbath there's a thing where you're like where like their influence like they just sounded so different like Nirvana and you you'd get someone be like oh they just did this and that they mud honey and blah 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 and you, no they they kind of fucking sharpened it or did something and then you're all, you're just like listening to Nirvana you're like whoa this is you know there's certain bands that sound you can't the Beatles have that where if a Beatle album came out now. You'd still be like, holy fuck, who's yeah. that? You yeah. know, any album. Yeah, no, you're and right. Um, I don't know. I think that's up for debate. I think, listen, I think for for everybody listening to this episode, I want you to, when you when you comment on the, under the post, you know, I want you to post who you think the greatest American band is. And maybe is. one reason why. I would love that. Yeah, put a, yeah, don't just show your work. Yeah. Don't just, don't just cut it off. Say it's Aerosmith, it's Metallica, it's, it's Pearl Jam, it's ZZ Top. I mean, every one of these bands has an argument, but certainly, because when you said Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm like, well, greatest American, you think Melting Pot and all this stuff. And I was like, their influences are so vast. Yeah. The Chili Peppers. And it's such a crazy ride that they're still, so they just sold out MetLife, dude. They're still together, and it's like, it's they've been. It's been so many years, and so much shit has gone down. Yeah, and, you know, tragically, people have passed away, and it's. Frusciante has got, been a part of the band and left the band like three times. Yeah, he's and, been a part of the band and then left for like ten years. Yeah, did heroin, came back. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. God, you know. he's in... in 
gifted musician. Very. Yeah, I think I think the best era is definitely with him. Oh, and I just saw I just you're speaking of like Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. I just saw Iggy Pop at the Palladium in LA with Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses on bass and Chad Smith on drums. And it dude and then Who plays guitar? Two guys I had never heard of, but one guy that plays with Iggy for a while, this younger dude. And yeah, then the some... younger dude, he's got his like fingers in every pie. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. He's got like short blonde hair, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know exactly. Damn it, you know music. What, All right, what, I, I, his, never... I forget his name, but I'll look he, him up. He was in a band with uh, Eddie Vedder and Chad was on drums. They're called like the Earthlings or something like that, and they did they did some shows. It's funny how people are so such diehard Foo Fighter fans, eh? Oh my God! Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, it's it's that's people that love Nirvana. They they had to latch onto something, and and he really is keeping the spirit of rock and roll like alive. Like I mean, God, and people talk about a vibe. Dave Grohl is a vibe. He's he's just everybody has a good Dave Grohl story. Everybody yeah. has a day, except for me. Except for me. One day I uh, met him once. We're at. Uh, it was in England. It was in London, and it was just like a high shake hand or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he seemed cool, but it was like very brief and it was loud or whatever. But uh, I, that same night I met Chad Smith. Really? And, yeah. And and he was super cool. I remember I, uh, I shook his hand and I was like, it's so nice to meet you. And he like matched my energy and goes, oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. Oh, that's so awesome, yeah. dude. Just And I was just some kid. You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah. it's That's nothing better than... The first time I met Beck, I completely spaced out and just like went full fanboy. Just talked and talked and talked. I love Beck. And then the second time was after one of his performances at Irving. Uh, Alex Edelman opened for him, and I was at the show. Really? Yeah, and he killed, dude. He killed. For that show, like, he did phenomenal. I didn't know he opened for Beck. That's huge. He's been doing it. I saw him open for him. Well, he always has comics. He had Dimitri Martin at the Ford Theater in L.A., and he would sometimes have a band, but he would have comics. And Edelman opened, and he knew I was there. And I texted him, I was like, hey, man, great job. He goes, dude, come up to the VIP. He gets me in. We go to the after party, and Beck's there. And I get to, like, sit down and have, like, a five, six-minute conversation with me, him, and this girl. And I didn't ask for a picture. I just I just talked to him like yeah. a normal person. Yeah. And it, he just was so nice and just so, like, you know, He's got like very soft hands, like, you know, he's got like Al Franken skin, you know what I mean? And he just like, he was just, he ruled. And I, and I love that. And it's like, I don't need the picture because the memory of yeah, being able to have that yeah. energy there. I opened one summer, uh, we were just talking about open for bands. I opened one summer for Nora Jones and we toured and, uh, she's it, one of my favorites, dude. dude I love Nora oh Jones. Oh my God. The talent and so cool. So nice. So beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful in every which way. But talent, like she sits down on the piano, and you're like, you're in, you know, you're in the room with greatness. Yeah. And her whole band are so talented and so cool. They were all great. They were all into the dead, and we would go. They, they, she'd cover a tune. This is like a highlight for me. She, uh, she plays. Uh, must. Uh, must have been the roses, a Grateful Dead song, and she would dedicate it. She'd be like, "How about, how about, uh, give it up for our opener?" And then they, they didn't. She didn't play it every night, but a bunch of on the tour. How about and she'd like, Phil Hanley and they cheer and she go, "Okay, this is for Phil." And then they play like a dead tune. And then she did. I told her once. I was like, "Oh, it was Jerry's birthday," and then she she played that song. And uh, on the back of their rigs are all dead stickers because the band that she was touring with at the time were all like dead fans. Yeah. Um. God damn. That that was really fun. But she is 
phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. And to see her every night, fucking, oh God. I, I watched every single show. I would, I've never seen her live. I would love to. One of my, and I recommend this so many times on the podcast to all the fans. And if you've never heard it, uh, sh she played the theater in Detroit that, that um, Chris Cornell played his last concert at like four or five nights later. And so there's a video of her Chills. covering, yeah, covering Black Hole Sun. And it is, I mean, it's so goddamn good and so emotional. And like, she just, she, she, you know, transposes it or whatever yeah. which in the most perfect way. Yes. And then the ending when she hits those like black, black hole sun. And she does it in her. It's so beautiful that it's one of my favorite things on the internet. I'm yeah. getting chills. Are you I'm thinking it? about it? Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Good. Oh God. Like I just, it made me, and I was already a fan of hers, but that made me like, dude, dude you're the queen. Dude. Yeah. She's, and uh, she covers, um, there's that Neil Young song. Don't be denied. She covers that. And it's so good. That's worth looking. That's worth checking out on uh, YouTube that her, her cover of that. But uh, it was really cool because <clears throat> in the song, I think Neil uh, Young, he moves to Winnipeg and the song is like, we moved to Winnipeg, da, 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 da. And in, when in Alaska, she, uh, Nora Jones goes, we moved to Alaska. Cause her, her, I guess her and her mom at one point lived in Alaska yeah. and the crowd just went, no, I love those moments with the crowd just goes yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah. yeah. And it was true. You know what I mean? Yeah. She had that experience and don't be denied only in she, her family moving to Alaska. Oh. All right. We've given everybody enough music recommendations for the next two weeks. So listen to the shit that we're telling you, listen to make sure. And I mean this more than anything. If you've listened to the first two records, and you've already listened to work. You already listened to American beauty get. And I want to talk about on the next episode. When I, when you come back for live dead, we're going to talk about spring 77, May 8th, Barton hall. That's going to be a two part episode. We're going to talk about live dead. Oh, and we're going to fuck, talk about really? oh, spring great. 77, May 8th, Barton hall. Okay? That's great. That fuck dude. I'm so stoked. Cause Perfect. that's, that's and again, some heads will deny that's the greatest show or whatever, but that's the one we're deciding. Yes. That's the one we're but, picking, but it, 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 there's no denying that they peaked one of their one of their peaks was 77 and that is a real good sample of what was going down in spring 97 yeah but it's, that, it's 77 it's, so. e it's even going to make it even better because there's going to be people that are like it's fucking that's a good show but fucking yeah, buffalo June the 12th, yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah all right let me ask you these questions i'll get you out of here uh because i gotta get to west side um all right favorite song on this record <sighs> God dang. Oh God. Like I'm moved by so many of them, but I love uncle John's band. I love Cumberland blues. Uh, when they Cumberland blues live, it, it, I can't help you hear it there. And then, uh, then you experience it live or whatever. They just fucking rock that out, man. But and new, 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 new speedway, uh, new speedway boogie is, is, uh, is a great tune too, man. Dire Wolf, Black Peter. God dang. It's such a good record. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a choice I, between Uncle John's band, Black Peter, and Casey Jones. I just like Casey Jones. Yeah, Casey it's, Jones, is it, it's a fucking great tune. But uh, I think uh, for me, I would say Uncle John's band or uh, Cumberland Blues. And I'm thinking of the live renditions of those songs. I mean, they're great on the album too, but I can't help but thinking how where they take Cumberland Blues. Like even Dead & Co. this summer, they take Cumberland Blues. The jams are fucking They great. go far. Yeah. All right, is there anything on this record you skip? Uh, no, no, no. I would say I'm not like, 
I w- no, I wouldn't skip anything. But if I was to say, what's the least? Sit, I'm sitting a, uh, my girlfriend down. I'm like, okay, listen to this. The if I was like, she was like on board, on board, on board. Maybe Easy Wind would be a song that I wouldn't play her the first time round, <laughs> okay. possibly. But I, I no no diss to that song. I'm just. That, yeah, you're dissing Ron McKernan. The, the I would singer. never rest in peace, Pigpen. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I love the tune. I'm just saying it, it's not. I appreciate your honesty, yeah. though. I I really do. Considering I, I, I love the tune, but if I'm sitting down and you're, I would play Uncle Jones Band. I would play Cumberland Blue. I would play everything, and I would play that maybe the second time around. But if I had to skip a tune, you would do that. All right, uh, and you might have already done it. Uh, have you or can you fuck to this record? Uh. Yeah, I don't know if I've. I, I'm sure I have yeah, over it's been on over, for your life. Yeah, the over the years. Spent. But I definitely sometimes, you know, you the beauty of the dead is you put on a show. They're three hours, so I've definitely uh, made made sweet love to different uh, songs, live versions for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I'm not one to kiss and tell, but uh, quite recently. Oh, good for you. Yeah, good, good for you. And uh, final thing, uh, what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this specific Grateful Dead record? Elevator pitch, man. Uh, I would say, I mean, my the elevator pitch, the scenario coming down off something or going up on the right thing, smoking a joint. And just from the beginning, just takes you to such a beautiful place. Yeah. From the actual, you forget. I've listened to this album for so many times, but I was re-listening to it today when I was like having coffee and stuff like that. And just the first note to Uncle John's band, it's such a great way to start a song and knowing what they were going through as a band at the time. Uh, and 200k is a lot of fucking money in, back then in yeah January 1970 <laughs> god damn your manager leaves with all your money that's like bands break up you've just been busted again and you're they were busted in New Orleans because they were the Grateful Dead they were people they, they did not like that culture they did not like the drug culture yeah. and the first to start a song like that is so great and it's such a departure from their other music and the lyrics yeah, I mean, this this is this was a long elevator ride, but <laughs> it's forty four floors. Man. Yeah, yeah, forty four. Uh, once again, man, thank you for coming on, dude. I I knew this was on the books. I looked forward to it last time. I had been I hadn't been here for like six months, yeah. and uh, I looked forward to it. It's on the back of my mind as a positive thing I get to do for the last six months. So thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait to come back for double app. Uh, the one and only Phil Hanley. Follow him on all social media at Phil M. Hanley. Brand new special out on YouTube called Ooh La La. And go to his website, philhanley.com. He's out on the road. He's a great, great comic. All right, for new music, we have an American jam band called Goose. And you're listening to the title track off their 2020 album, Dripfield. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. Send us your song if you want us to play. We will play your music, guys. So send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and uh, put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. And yeah, man, that's it. That is it. Next week is Tracy Chapman. Let's do this. It's the self-titled debut. So uh, I'll see you then.
Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Next Chapter Podcasts.